Hello, this is Miss Williams. This podcast is paired with Chapter 17, Part 3, World War I and U.S. Involvement. World War I started in 1914, August of that year. But the United States did not commit troops or make a declaration of war until almost three years later. It took several concurrent events in order to make that possible. The simultaneous use of unrestricted submarine warfare, along with the Russian Revolution, which required the Russians to exit the war because they could no longer support their troops, meant that even though the Allies had more resources, that they were having trouble bringing the war to an end. And so in April of 1917 is when the United States Congress officially declares war on Germany because of their aggressive submarine warfare campaign. It was targeting merchant ships, and those ships were carrying U.S. goods for sale overseas, and attacking them meant that the U.S. was losing its source of revenue, and that was most of the impetus for our declaration of war. Once war is declared, the government had guaranteed that they were going to send a certain amount of soldiers into the war itself, but not enough young men signed up for the military service. So in order to get the numbers that Congress had promised, the Selective Service Act was passed in 1917. This act is still in effect today, and it is what requires all young men to register for the draft in case they are needed. In the case of 1917, however, the registration for the draft targeted young men between 21 and 30. Once they were registered, they were chosen at random to serve. There were quite a few young black men who volunteered to serve in the military because they believed that that would help in the push for civil rights and an end to Jim Crow if they serve their country just like their white counterparts. However, the American military in 1917 was still segregated, so those men who did sign up were forced to serve in all black units, usually with white officers in charge. Women were allowed to serve in non-combat positions, and they did so, quite a lot of them. Uh, They were nurses. Some of them volunteered with the American Red Cross. They acted as secretaries for important military personnel because their own personnel had been shipped off to war. They acted as radio operators. That was fairly critical especially in the war effort because a lot of communication, fast communication needed to happen that way. They acted as electricians, pharmacists, and photographers. So women had a lot of roles, but they were not allowed to be in any kind of combat position. So they weren't official members of the military. They were 
simply there to aid the men that were in service. In the United States, the government put together the idea that everyone needed to work for the war effort. And they modeled this after what was happening in Britain and France during the war, since they were our primary allies. This effort of total war means everybody, whether they are a military officer or serving member or a civilian, has to participate in the war effort. That meant planting a victory garden at your house so that any food that is produced could be shipped overseas. It also encouraged people to buy what they were calling victory and liberty bonds, which is your way to give money to the government, more money to the government besides your taxes, in order to help the government wage this war. Another part of the total war effort that later was proved to be unconstitutional was the passage of the Espionage Act in 1917 and the Sedition Act in 1918. There was a pretty fervent paranoia that the Germans were spying everywhere, including inside the United States. In the state of Missouri, there was actually a huge population of German Americans living in the St. Louis metropolitan area, and some of them were targeted to go to uh, civilian work camps during the war to make sure that they weren't spying secretly for the Germans. In addition to those particular acts, It also meant that if you spoke against the war in public, that you were committing an illegal act. So if you were criticizing the war effort and you were out on a public street, you were breaking the law. Quite a few people who did speak out against the war were arrested. However, when those cases finally made it to the Supreme Court in the early 1920s, the court ruled that the Espionage Act and the Sedition Act both violated the First Amendment right of freedom of speech. The U.S. involvement in the war comes much later than the initial involvement of the rest of Europe. The war itself is exhausting and intense. And right here, we're going to cross over into Chapter 17, Part 4, World War I Bloody Conflict. Uh, The war was exhausting. The use of trench warfare, where the sides set up opposite each other and then basically get stuck there for an indeterminate amount of time, destroyed the mental and physical health of a lot of soldiers, not just American soldiers, but the French, the British, and the Germans. Trench warfare was very hard on anyone involved in World War I. The use of poison gas was very deadly, and because of it, a lot of young men were injured to the point where they could no longer serve. The U.S. comes into the war for just a little under two years. The Allies most likely could have won without the Americans. However, it makes it easier to end the war with the troops who 
hadn't been in the conflict for three years. The French and the British especially were running out of people to volunteer to fight for the war. A lot of young men between the ages of 18 and 30 were killed or wounded and then died later of their injuries, so much so that they're running out of hope that they can outlast the Axis powers. The very last country to surrender is Germany. By the time November of 1918 rolls around, Austria-Hungary had already surrendered, as had Italy. Most other countries were ready for the war to be over, but Germany is the last one to agree to a ceasefire. November 11th, 1918 is Armistice Day. It is the day that the war, the fighting in the war ends. The Treaty of Versailles, which is drafted after the war, was drafted specifically to punish Germany. A lot of the countries in Europe, especially France and Britain, felt that Germany was the problem, that they were the last to surrender, and the ones that encouraged Austria-Hungary to declare war against Serbia was seen as a reason to go after them. The Treaty of Versailles makes Germany go bankrupt. They struggle to survive in the 1920s. Germany experiences its own Great Depression that starts in the 1920s and continues into the 1930s. The Treaty of Versailles was meant to hopefully use enough of President Woodrow Wilson's 14 points to ensure that no future wars would occur. World War I was called the Great War or the war to end all wars until 1939. The League of Nations was set up. It was the idea of President Wilson, although Congress does not allow the U.S. to join. The League of Nations was meant to prevent future conflicts in Europe. Spoiler alert, that does not work. But the conflict itself has finally come to a close. The resulting work on... helping the lost generation get over the war itself is part of the social vibe in the 1920s, the jazz age, the age of more freedom, because a lot of these people feel that if you can just die tomorrow, then it's good to celebrate now. And that is a lot of the social impact from World War One.